The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Lion stuff is just, oh my God, I just want to vomit. Aaron Hawksworth. That's all I have to say to that. And Ed Egros. We will do the work for you. On the BetQL Network. Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross here. Joe and Aaron are off today, but our bullpen is deep. Joining us for the first hour and change is none other than PJ Glasser of the BetQL Network. PJ, so great to have you with us here as we get going on this lovely Thursday. Uh, we will be here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. And as always, listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Parker Fleming of Sumer Sports will get us ready for the college football playoff semifinals happening Monday. But first, PJ, we have a running joke around these parts to where the biggest sports news always breaks at noon Eastern, just a few minutes after we go off the air. And sure enough, at noon Eastern yesterday, after Aaron and I were waxing co- poetic about the Dallas Cowboys and how much she hates them and how much I still believe in them, sure enough, we get a little bit of news that Russell Wilson, the Broncos quarterback, has been benched for Jarrett Stidham. And what's interesting to me uh, in terms of Adam Schefter's tweet uh, saying that like this is about, uh, say, getting a spark offensively, Uh, What's interesting to me is that this is something that perhaps Russell Wilson uh, was sort of expecting that he thought could very well happen. Uh, For instance, from Diana Russini uh, saying Wilson will be cut in March, that would be inactive or that he would be made inactive if he did not defer his contracts March 2024 injury guarantee trigger date, $37 million guarantee. Russ himself has known for two months that he was likely to be benched and he was likely not going to be coming back as a member of the Broncos and that he would have to continue his career elsewhere. But as far as what we need to know about this move, what was your biggest takeaway? 
Ed, I mean, it's it's a crazy story. I would say the dead cap hit, right? $85 million in dead cap that the Broncos are going to have to swallow because uh, they're likely going to cut Russ in March like the reports have indicated. I would also say, you know, there was reports coming out that Sean Payton had approached Russ, I think around Halloween time, and wanted him to get rid of that injury guarantee money, right? And Russ is like, mm-hmm. of course I'm not doing that. I'm getting paid like $37, $38 million. So we could kind of all see it in that Lions game when Denver played Detroit and Sean kind of just lit Russ up and he was yelling at him. And we could tell that that relationship was just not going anywhere. You lose to the Patriots last week. That was kind of the final nail in the coffin. And the Broncos are, are doing what they think is best for their organization. And, you know, it, it kind of tells you, Ed, like how little they think of Russ, that they are willing to eat all that dead cap, not try and make it work with him. They, they as we know, have a good defense. They don't play in, in the best division in football. You know, the Chiefs are certainly looking vulnerable. So that was my biggest takeaway is that they, they think so little of Russ that they are willing to deal with everything salary-related. and. You know, it really limits their options. Like, I think a guy like Kirk Cousins, right? Like, that could be a good destination for Denver. Or maybe you trade for a guy like a Justin Fields or maybe a Kyler Murray. But with all that cap, there's just – there's no way they can do it. So, they got to go young. They got to get somebody through the draft. Sean Payton, when he was in New Orleans, has shown us that he is not shy of trading up for guys. Now, I don't know if he's going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. But I think maybe like a Penix, like a Jaden Daniels, like those would maybe be some names to watch in Denver. But uh, the, the Sean Payton era is kind of starting right now in, in Denver, right? Mm-hmm. We all thought it was going to be the Russell Wilson era. that That's now over. And uh, all the pressure is on Payton now to make this work. And certainly we have tons and tons of time between now and say when win totals for 2024 are unveiled, division uh, title futures, all of that stuff, that will be unveiled and we'll have a ton of time to sort of figure out what this is supposed to look like. And it's interesting to me in terms of why things didn't work out between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. You know, when you think of Wilson, you know, a really mobile guy, really athletic guy. Yeah, he's a little bit short, but sometimes getting outside the pocket, uh, you know, sort of plays into his wheelhouse, being able to toss it deep, let Russ cook. You know, there's a reason why that phrase exists in the first place. And that's not exactly what Sean Payton is all about. You think about Drew Brees, especially when they were constantly winning the NFC South and constantly making the playoffs. Yeah, coming up a little bit short those last few years uh, in the Brees campaign. Uh, But at the same time, you saw someone who was just super duper efficient, right? Drew Brees to Michael Thomas. Like how many times do we say that time and time again, you know, around that 2020 campaign and those other years? That's I think what Peyton wants somebody who maybe isn't like a Jaden Daniels type who's really, really flashy, but somebody who's just uber efficient. And to me, this matters a great deal in terms of, you know, how we're trying to figure out this week 17 contest and maybe even the future, just because maybe it's not the flashiest of quarterbacks Sean Payton is looking for, but just someone who's reliable, someone who can get those, say, two to 10 air yard passes completed and someone who's able to, uh, you know, find the receiver who's ultimately going to get a lot of yards after catch. You know, you think about you know, what Wilson wants to do, the intermediate and deep throws outside the pocket, improvising, having a lot of empty sets, those kinds of things. That's not what Sean Payton's all about. Even, you know, when you look look at the last game against the Patriots, when they lost that one, it was like, okay, yes, Russell Wilson was able to make a comeback in the fourth quarter and make that game interesting. But you could tell that Payton was really frustrated 
even with offensive strides being made in game. Uh, it wasn't just that the Broncos lost, but the fact that they even needed some kind of a fourth quarter comeback, you could tell that he was a tad perturbed about it. So ultimately, this is about finding an uber-efficient quarterback. I don't know if Jared Sidham is going to be that guy, but certainly you have to believe that, okay, because they have no cap space whatsoever, no financial flexibility, that they're going to have to make do with something that may look a little boring, but maybe it's just uber-efficient. No, yeah, I agree with you. And maybe they look to make up for it in different ways, right? To your point, when mm -hmm. New Orleans was rolling, like, obviously it was Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, all those years with Jimmy Graham and everything. But as you know, Ed, like, when the Saints are right, man, they, they normally have one or two, like, really good backs, right? Like the Pierre right. Thomas days, Mark Ingram, Camara was a star when he broke in, some years of Reggie Bush. Like, Sean Payton teams, we all think of Brees and all the offense and the passing but they're more balanced than I think people really realized. And, you know, they tried to make some moves in the offseason to upgrade the offensive line this year because as bad as Russ was, the O-line in Denver last year was terrible too. So oh, they God. tried to go out and get guys like Mike McGlinchey, right, and try to protect him, try to lean on the running game. When they had that five-game win streak, that's why they were so successful. They weren't turning the ball over. They were running it well. They were controlling the clock. Their defense was playing a lot better. So – yeah, I mean, obviously, because like you said, Denver doesn't have any financial flexibility. It's going to be interesting what they do at quarterback. They're probably going to draft somebody. And because Sean Payton's going to have a rookie, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of running. It's going to be a lot of leaning on that defense and uh, try and win games that way, win turnover margin. Um, what do you think happens next for Russ? Like, have you thought of maybe what a good landing spot for him would be? Like, do you see him in like a Pittsburgh? Do you see him like going in the division and going to like a Las Vegas? I'm trying to think of like destinations where, you know, because don't you feel like teams at this point, the stigma around Russ right now, especially how he was viewed in Denver, like some teams probably are worried about bringing a guy like that into their locker room. Absolutely. I absolutely do believe that. And yes, I think stigma is a really good word. At the same time, if you look at the quarterback situation in the league right now, there are a lot of teams very desperate who feel like, okay, we are a mediocre team right now. We have an okay offense, but a quarterback who can just keep the train on the tracks, that is that last piece before we can really take off. You know, it's one of the reasons why the Jets were willing to basically succumb to all of Aaron Rodgers' whims because it's just the state of the league right now. There are lots of teams who, if they had at least an okay quarterback, we would be talking about them very differently. The Atlanta Falcons probably come to mind right now who are, who are going to a backup quarterback uh, here. But you look at that division and you look at all the other quarterbacks they're going up against. Right now, Baker Mayfield is striking fear into the hearts of every other team in that division. That should not happen, even with a great OC and play designer and all that stuff. Still, though, I do think that there are places for him to go to. And yes, it, it might, you know, create a little bit of friction within said locker room, but I still think this is something that's very doable. And I think also too, PJ, what, what matters in terms of his future and what this is going to look like is, yeah, you need the personnel to be able to do that, but you probably also need to go to an organization where, say, the head coach is perhaps a little bit more defensive-minded, uh, where, say, this offense is a work in progress where, yeah, there's plenty of talent and you might have some great receivers 
who are fantastic for, say, 20 air yard throws, things like that. But it has to be something where, not that Russell Wilson is, say, calling the shots, but he has more autonomy to do what he wants to do. And yes, there are not going to be a whole lot of teams available for that, but that number isn't zero. I do think there is another place for him in this league. Where that's going to be, I'm not exactly sure. Atlanta is probably the first team that comes to mind. Pittsburgh perhaps could also make sense just because if they sort of keep the infrastructure the way it is, then it would make a lot of sense. I mean, look, George Pickens, you know, a deep threat. So in some ways that that could work. But Wilson does have to have a good bit of control and a good bit of power for it to work. And while there are many organizations who will pass on that, I think a few would be willing to take a flyer. Absolutely. No, I agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head with your first point about like teams are just desperate in this league, right? Like how many mm-hmm. one o'clock windows on an NFL Sunday <laughs> have we watched this year where there have been so many games with backup quarterbacks, right? Like that's just the state right. of the league. I mean, the amount of teams are on their backups where it's like, we got to watch this matchup today. You know, we got to watch these two quarterbacks play where it's like Tommy DeVito and, and whoever go at it, Mac Jones. So, yeah, it's brutal. I do think some uh, the team out there takes a shot at Russ and believes that, you know, they can win with him. So we'll see what happens. As far as this Broncos-Chargers game, I'm really fascinated, mm-hmm. like, betting-wise for the Broncos the last two weeks of the season because they really had their dream crusher last week against New England, right? Like, that's the game with pretty much you're not making the playoffs. Like, that's it. So does this move with Russ, like, do, do guys still compete? Because what this move tells me from Sean Payton, from ownership and everything, is they're reevaluating the roster, right? And a way to motivate yeah. guys when you're out of the playoff hunt is to motivate them by job security and saying that if, if you put out an effort, what the Chargers did against the Raiders on that Thursday, like you're not going to be back next year. So, I mean, the line moved from five and a half to three and a half with the Russ news and now Jared Stidham starting. I just, we haven't seen Stidham play in a while. The Chargers had a great effort last week against Buffalo. I think that game was more so about the Bills. Like that was such a prime letdown spot for Buffalo. All the tough games that they had to play in a row. You're playing a Chargers team with an interim coach who just gave up 63 points. Like that was just classic NFL letdown spot right there. I think maybe people view the Chargers a little bit differently now coming into this game. And I don't know if I would necessarily go that way. I just don't know if I want to back Denver though, Ed, because I don't know what kind of effort we're going to get out of this team. Like, are they still going to be competing? Is Sean Payton still have this locker room locked in? I just, I think it's one of those games, you know, when you get this late into the, in the season, I think motivation is so key for these teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And for Denver, especially, I just, I really don't know what kind of effort we're going to get out of this team. Yeah, one thought that I will uh, share about the Chargers game in just a bit, but one quick point that you made that I think is really important that I think we need to talk about a good bit more is this notion that the Broncos are out of the playoff hunt. Mathematically, they are still in it. Now, granted, like if everything goes right for them, they win the last two games, then they're only still up to say like a 17% chance of making it. They need a lot of help. And what's fascinating to me is that NFL teams, for the most part, they cling on to that 5% chance or that 2% chance. If they are mathematically still alive, they will do everything they conceivably can to make sure they still have a chance. And the Broncos aren't doing that. Instead, they're going to Jared Stidham. It's not that we haven't seen him play very much. We haven't seen him play that much at all in the National Football League. 
So the fact that they're making this move, even with that modicum of possibility that they can make the playoffs, that to me is really fascinating. And I think that's Sean Payton's fingerprints that he is just dissatisfied in general with a lot of things, not just the quarterback position, but a lot of other things to where I expect that this will be, yes, I think some folks in that locker room are happy with it, but I think overall it will be a net deflation. I think one of the reasons why uh, the Bills struggled with the Chargers is that they just didn't know what they were getting into, right? Like you have a new head coach uh, or, you know, an interim head coach, and, you know, the approach was a little bit different. And so it was a tad surprising for the Bills coming off a short week, traveling across the country, all of that stuff, big letdown spot, as you said. I probably respect the Chargers a little bit more than most, while I do think this Brandon Staley move needed to happen. At the same time, I think the Chargers still have a good enough infrastructure to be able to at least hang in a game like this. You know, it's funny whenever we see backup quarterbacks come in that the line moves a certain way. And more often than not, the market overreacts to such news. Here, we're getting something a little bit different. And to me, I think, once again, we are overreacting. And so in that sense, uh, probably the Chargers would be the play here. Um, but maybe we look at a couple of injury reports and we get a little bit more comfortable as far as what side we want to take. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair take as well. Really good point, too, about like the season. It's still up there for the Broncos, and they're basically punting on it. I think what I'm what I've probably noticed is that you you assume you you kind of from the outside think this is a pretty good situation but when you get here it's an even better situation than you could have imagined so this is betql daily presented by bet mgm from betql joe flacco is feeling really good about the brown situation and he should be given how much success he's having already the fact we're even talking about him as a real comeback player of the year contender absolutely the joe flacco cleveland browns marriage has been going well but can it continue against the new york jets welcome back to becky well daily presented by bet mgm eddie gross and pj glasser here with you for thursday night football tonight pj we've got the aforementioned jets and browns cleveland a seven and a half point favorite with a total of 34 and a half how are you playing it so the play that I like the most, Ed, is the team total under for the Jets at 13 and a half. One of my favorite stats this year in the NFL is that the Browns lead the league in defense at home in points per game. They only give up 13 points per game. And then on the road, they give up 30 points per game. So we think about this Browns defense and how good it is. And it is, but they're great at home. And they struggle on the road. Well, they're at home tonight. It's a short week. They're facing Trevor Simeon. You know, unless like Flacco throws a pick six or they have a couple turnovers to give the Jets a short field, which could happen, but I just don't see Simeon and this Jets defense going down the field. Browns have an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot tonight. Ed, they can still win the AFC North. They can still get the number one seed in Cleveland. So uh, they're going to be revved up and ready to go. I do like that team total under for the Jets. I also like the Jets, however, plus seven and a half so even though i don't think they'll score a lot i do think they can keep it close this is really all about just selling high on flacco and the browns right now they're obviously a great story they've won three in a row they're playing good football but now that we're getting this hook with new york it just it feels like we're buying in on the browns at a point where we should be selling so i think this line should be more so you know if flacco was playing like a normal backup would right if he was playing how most of the backups are this season like this line is like minus four and a half, minus five. 
but because he's been great, he just had another insane performance against the Texans. Now it's all the way up to seven and a half. So the Jets' pass defense is one of the best in the league. They're really, really good. Sauce is going to be on a, on Amari a Cooper, who's going to be banged up. Might not even play tonight. They said they're going to wait and see on that. So I think they match up pretty well with Cleveland and what they want to do in the past game. So I'll take a little bit of the Jets plus the points, but I do like that team total under. Team total under makes sense. I am definitely tailing you when it comes to Jets plus seven and a half. I think part of it is the whole Trevor Simeon thing where, okay, we're dealing with another backup quarterback for the Jets. Won't turn out very well because none of them do in New York. And yes, to an extent, I understand that argument. And look, this is just going to be a low, low scoring game. Like the total is telling you as much, and it might be even worse than that. All of these primetime overs that we've been enjoying for the last few weeks, uh, maybe that ends tonight where we get something that is a, a tad sloppy, like a 10-7 game, 13-7 kind of game. My model has this around six, and I think that's about right, in large part because when you are looking at these two defenses, I agree that the Browns at home are just fantastic, and they probably are a little bit better than the Jets, but they're not drastically better than what New York's going to put out there. If you look at, say, EPA per play, the Browns are number one in the NFL at minus .22. That's number one, but at number four in the league is the New York Jets at negative .11 EPA per play. So the question to me is more about if you think that the Joe Flacco-Kevin Stefanski connection is seven and a half points better than Simeon with Nathaniel Hackett. And to me, I don't think it is. Like, it's better. Absolutely it is. But it's not seven and a half points better if we are to assume that these defenses are roughly the same here. You know, looking at EPA per drop back and success rate, yes, Flacco is better, but not greatly, greatly so. The rushing attacks also have the same dilemma where I do think that the Browns rushing defense and the Jets rushing defense, they should both be stout here. I'm not expecting either running back to be able to move the ball with any kind of consistency. I think any kind of offensive success that we see will be through the air, and I'm not expecting a whole lot of it. In terms of, say, could there be an interception or two by Joe Flacco? I don't necessarily think that's a bad play here. It's not a prop that I'm necessarily looking at. But it is something that, okay, we should start to expect this Jets defense to at least impose some kind of its will. And we are probably due for a low-scoring game, PJ. No, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I touched on Amari a little bit. And if he does play, obviously I expect Sauce to be on him for most of the mm -hmm. game. And he had 265 yards last week, right? And his prop at BetMGM sitting at 57 and a half. Like, everybody's going to be on that over. Kind of like the under in the game, especially because Amari isn't 100%. He's not feeling great. And uh, the Jets' pass defense against wide receivers is excellent. Where they struggle is against tight ends. And ever since Flacco took over, Najoku has been killing it. He's been really, mm -hmm. really good. I mean, Flacco's always loved his tight ends, going back to his days in Baltimore with Dennis Pitta and uh, over the years. So I like Najoku. I think this is a Najoku game. I take his over receiving yards. I take him anytime touchdown. I think he would be the guy that I would target tonight in the passing game for Cleveland. I know Amari went crazy last week. I think there's some regression this week. I, I think it's a bad matchup for him where this matchup much uh, much more so favors Najoku. I think if you want to look at, like, J Jerome Ford receptions as well, you know, the Jets, again, the pass defense is good. The D-line is good. It gets after the quarterback. And 
Flacco has a tendency to hit those checkdowns and throw it to, to his running backs as well. So Jerome Ford over two and a half receptions, I think is another look uh, that I like as well. It does seem like when it comes to Flacco, like it's been the play action game, the intermediate passes, that's really what's made him shine in Cleveland. But if you've got a really aggressive defense that's going to go after you regardless of play action or not, you need time for those plays to develop. And I'm not sure the Jets are going to give him all that much. Offensive line might have a few breakdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And so that means Flacco will be checking it down a good bit. So the Joku play, I think, makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, going to his running backs, I think, can make a whole lot of sense. But probably the play that I like in terms of the prop market more than anything else would be Joe Flacco over 36 and a half pass attempts. I think one reason why the number is set the way it is is because the line is seven and a half, right? But if we are backing the Jets, then we are expecting a closer game, perhaps even in situations in the second half where the Browns will be playing from behind. And in the past, you go, well, they're going to run the ball no matter what because they have insane success with it. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Certainly, there have been stretches this year where the Browns haven't been good on the ground with Jerome Ford. Now, they have had better spurts uh, closer to now, but against the Jets, I'm not sure that's something you can rely upon all that much. And so over 36 and a half pass attempts makes a lot of sense there. And then you look at the Jets side. This is probably a game where Trevor Simeon, look, if the Jets somehow, you know, pull off the upset and Jets backers, you know, want to go after plus 280 on that money line. I do think this will be Simeon having to win the game. This isn't just him being a game manager. He may actually have to be a tad extraordinary for that to happen. So, you know, seven and a half is kind of a misleading number. It's not just that the Browns are seven and a half better, but it's like if this game is close, Simeon has to pull a rabbit out of the hat. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But what I think it does mean is that he may also have more pass attempts than anticipated. So it's not necessarily a prop that I like there, but I do think Brees Hall will not be toting the rock as much. I'm seeing 14 and a half as his rush attempts. I really like the under there. I think the Jets have to keep the ball in the air for them to have any chance in this one. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I think it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough Brees Hall game. I think the Simeon look is a good one. It makes a lot of sense. The game script, right? Like if they're trailing, they're obviously going to throw. And like you said, even if they're, if they're competitive and if they want to win the game, I think they're going to have to throw as well. Another prop that I like, which I've been taking the last couple of weeks in these Thursday night games, that's been uh, pretty mm -hmm. profitable, total combined interceptions tonight between Joe Flacco and Trevor Simeon over one and a half. Ooh. It's juice minus 140. And I think we could get like three or four combined interceptions tonight. I think Flacco could throw a couple. I think Simeon could throw a couple potentially as well. Both of these defenses create turnovers. Both of them uh, create interceptions. So, you know, Flacco, as great as he's been, all the attempts, all the touchdowns, all the yards, he is throwing interceptions. And Simeon against this Browns defense on the road I think it is going to struggle as well. So, you know, you do have to lay some juice for it, but I think instead of taking Flacco to throw a pick at minus 200 or Simeon at minus 190, just combine the two of them, get a better price at minus 140. And, uh, and that's another angle I'm attacking as well. Something I also like doing in these primetime games is looking at the field goal kickers, especially when we uh -huh. have a low total like this, right? And if people are on the side of us where they like the Jets, you would think the Browns are going to have more scoring opportunities tonight, and the Jets are probably going to have to keep them to field goals. 
Now, the thing you got to worry about is it's a night game in Cleveland in December, right? And that could look like a million different things. So there could Mm -hmm. be wind. There could be precipitation. It's obviously going to be cold. So you don't know how that's going to affect the kickers. Plus, Cleveland's new kicker now is uh, is Riley Patterson. So I don't know, Ed. It's it's. I wanted to back the Browns kicker, but I just I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit too too risky. So I think that prop that I like though is the is the combined interceptions, the one and a half between Simeon and Flacco. It is amazing that we're we're talking about, say, a Cleveland home game in December that we're not immediately thinking, okay, they're going to run the ball. Everybody's going to be uber conservative. And the only field goal attempts we're going to be seeing would be, say, like inside 30 yards, knowing full well that they're just going to stack the box. There's no way you can pass the ball in these conditions. And so that's just how these games are going to go. 9-3, 12-9, whatever it is, that's your final. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Make sure to, you know, pay for some concessions while you're there. But I also think that this maybe doesn't feel like quite a home game for Cleveland in terms of, say, having those conditions and running the ball a good bit more, that this is something where Joe Flacco will have to put it in the air uh, somewhat. And if that's the case, then I think that might make head coaches a little, say, less risk averse, uh, where they are willing to go forward on fourth down a little bit more. And if they don't trust their field goal kickers uh, as much, then yes, that's probably why, you know, looking at kicking points, things like that, I'm probably less inclined to do that in a situation like this, even though when it is a Cleveland home game, I'm completely with you. Lower scoring contest, all the conditions are right for such things. Another question I wanted to ask you as well, because we're dealing with such a large spread, is this something that is teaserable? Is this a game where, say, you bump it down to, say, Browns minus one and a half, pair it with something else, and there may be something to it? I certainly think that's a good look. I I like that as well. Yeah, I mean, in a game like this, the thing that I worry about is that it's going to be it's going to be low scoring most likely and there've been a lot of games this year in the NFL that have been one you know one point games, one point wins. Um I do think Cleveland wins and I do think they win by you know two, three or more. So I think that should be a safe play. It's not one of my favorite teaser legs of the week. Mm-hmm. I think I like the Jets plus the points more than I would the Browns in a teaser leg. Just weird things happen on Thursday night. And this Browns team, like Ed, I feel like we've seen it with so many backup quarterbacks this year, whether it's been Dobbs, whether it's been DeVito, like these guys have their magical runs of two or three weeks. And then it just, it comes crashing down on them quick. So maybe there's no regression from Flacco. Maybe he just keeps rolling. seems like a bad matchup for him tonight against this Jets defense. But I think I'd rather take the Jets plus the points than I would the Browns in a teaser. I think the thing that interests me the most with the Browns is like looking at the futures market because mm-hmm. they could still win the AFC North. They can still get the number one seed in the AFC. They're 40 to one to win the AF to get the number one seed in the AFC. They need the Ravens to lose out. They need the Dolphins to obviously beat Baltimore. And then they need the Bills to beat the Dolphins in week 18. The Browns obviously have to win out, beat the Jets, win in Cincinnati next week. Like, would you take any shot on the Browns at all to win the division, to get the number one seed? I mean, it's not likely going to happen. Like, at this point, you're probably just buying it for the price. But I think because the Dolphins play the Bills next week and the Ravens have the Steelers in week 18, who Lamar has always struggled with in his career, and Tomlin's had the Ravens number as of late. I don't know, Ed. Maybe maybe people just keep riding this Flacco train and they, you know, they sprinkle a little futures money. (laughs) 
Young. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, it's funny. You were kind of reading my mind when you were talking about this stuff because I, at this time of year, I'm always looking at the New York Times probability calculator, and sometimes I'll, you know, play with, you know, something in terms of, you know, my own models and stuff like that. But as I look at 40 to 1 and what that means, the implied uh, percentage there is 2.44% that it will happen at 40 to 1. Uh, But if, say, the Browns went out, then ultimately that goes up to a 5% chance of winning the division and say a 2% chance of getting that number one overall seed. So if you're giving me 40 to one to win the division, is that right? 40 to one? 40 uh, for the no- number one seed, the division's 14 to one. Okay. Uh, 14 to one, no, wouldn't do that. Way too short. Uh, 40 to one, that's about right to me. I, I don't mm. know if there's necessarily an edge there. If, if you think it can happen or say something is, is slightly askew uh, or you believe that, you know, say like Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, will turn into a pumpkin or something like that, then maybe there's something to it. Uh, but I also think the implied you know, probability sort of has that baked in that that chance could conceivably occur. And that's also more like fading the Ravens in the playoffs. And, you know, that's the better play as far as that's concerned. So, I, I, I think it's good to look into it. I'm not going to pull the trigger, but I think the numbers are, are about right. They're fairly sharp. Yeah, that's fair enough. I just, man, the Browns right now, the job Stefanski's done, the way Flacco's playing. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they keep this thing going. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go off the board right here on the BetQL Network. Boys stink. Oh, they're terrible. Oh, why do you have them in your top five power rank? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Hope all is well, Aaron. We love you. Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros and PJ Glasser here with you. Still plenty to get to on the program, including PJ's takes on line movements for Week 17. We'll also have Parker Fleming on from Sumer Sports to talk about the college football playoff semifinals. That's happening New Year's Day. But now we are going off the board, and we got to start with some NBA news involving Mikel Bridges of the Brooklyn Nets admitting that he has eaten Chipotle every day for the last 10 years, saying it is too fire. He made this revelation uh, on a magazine saying that he still loves it. His family and friends still tease him about it, but he has to eat Chipotle every single day. And so I think what's important, PJ, in terms of analyzing this is looking at all the various combinations that you can order at Chipotle. And I think uh, Business Insider looked into this about a decade ago. Uh, Chipotle has since updated the menu to include queso. And so by my numbers uh, and by my math, 
There are 1,310,720 combinations to your burrito or burrito bowl or salad or whatever, depending upon what salsas you choose, type of beans, type of rice, brown rice or white rice. I'm a brown rice guy because I want to try and keep things as healthy as I can. Uh, But you can also have queso and guac and and all that good stuff. Uh, But PJ, my question to you is, first off, could you eat Chipotle every day for a week? much less 10 years. And is there any kind of quasi fast food restaurant where you could frequent uh, as often as Michael Bridges does Chipotle? No, there, there is not. I, I don't know how he's done this for 10 years. I couldn't do it for a week to answer your question. And I could, I don't know if there's anything. I was trying to think like, what is the fast food place that I like the most that I could eat consecutively for the most amount of days See, what may, what would make this question even even better is what could you eat consecutively every day for 10 years if you knew that it wasn't like unhealthy, right? Like if you knew it wasn't going to affect your health, if you could eat anything mm-hmm. in the world, like any fast food place and it'd be fine, that's when I think things would get interesting cuz man, I don't know. Like I love a good I feel like my go-to for most days, like the thought that pops into my head most days throughout the week is I want a sandwich, right? So like the sandwich yeah. shops are are probably my go-to. Um but like if I had the option to eat something every single day, man, I don't know. Maybe it'd be like um maybe it'd be like a McDonald's. Like I think I'm just I'm basic or something like that. I, maybe there's something else. Taco we have Bell another one is, here. Taco Bell's really, really good. We have another one. Yeah. I think Taco Bell would be up there if, man, eating that every day, though, would be tough. If you're eating Taco Bell every day, PJ, you're an insane person. You're a crazy person. It's pretty good, though. Taco Bell's pretty good. What would yours be? What would yours be? You realize, first off, you realize that the quality of meat there is that of cat food. Oh yeah, it's like terrible. those tacos are not good for you. You do not know what you are ingesting at all. Like what what kind of meat it came from or anything of the sort. Like I am no Listen, way. Like don't the don't get me wrong. I don't sneeze at Taco Bell. I'm I'm here for a good Taco Bell run. Every day is insane. Like as somebody who's had some tum tum issues for the last couple weeks already, I can't even imagine oh. what that would like. You're down for the count. Like you're like Taco Bell, McDonald's, even, I think you're pushing it every day, but Taco Bell's a crazy answer. (laughs) I am so anti-Fileo fish. It is ridiculous. And I am probably dying on this hill. The only one on this program dying on this hill here involving the Fileo fish saying, no, it's not good at all. I'm more of a Buffalo cauliflower, free range, brown rice kind of guy. Uh, And it's interesting in terms of like what place I would go to on any regular basis. Nothing comes to mind right away, although uh, out in Texas and uh, the neighboring states, we all know the value and glory that is Whataburger and the honey butter chicken. Worst burger I've ever had. What? Worst burger I've ever had. What a burger! What? Worst burger I've ever had. Nope, terrible. Get out of here. Jail. No shot. Jail. No way. Jail. No. Life sentence. Maybe no I got a, maybe oh. I got a bad batch. Maybe I got a bad batch. But I was yeah. I was in Houston. I did. I do two two hard years in Houston. I if I never go to a Whataburger ever again, it'll be too soon. Now, queso came up. Maybe it was off the air. 
Torchy's Tacos, a little elevated, not like strictly fast food. So not really for this conversation. But I like or we could also go like if you want like fast food for like what, 10 years, however, but like pick a meal, pick a food from a different menu for each meal that could get interesting because I would nominate the McDonald's breakfast burritos with the hot sauce, mild sauce thing going on as like a breakfast one. Out of everything then, at McDonald's. Yeah. The McGrill no, would be. No, 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 no. And then like go like Chipotle for lunch <laughs> and then something else for dinner. Like you can mix and match from different chains, mm. if you will. But what is the I think that's an interesting conversation. This conversation alone. Okay. So fast food draft is basically what you're pitching here. basically a fast food draft by meal like so breakfast i would take the breakfast burritos from mcdonald's that's and an then i think what would you do like a mcgriddle or something yes obviously. french toast sticks from burger king or something like that get out of here oh god you're yeah. going to burger king for for breakfast we gotta have an intervention yeah. you're probably going to taco they bell for the every other meal yeah exactly Nobody's even going to mention a fried chicken joint here. Uh, and, and sometimes you get the grilled chicken options, which are, say, a tad healthier. That's not the worst thing in the world. Like the grilled nuggets from Chick-fil-A, those aren't bad, boys and girls. Plus, you could also do like a, a lettuce wrap of some kind. Like I, I think there are ways to make this work. Uh, so maybe Chick-fil-A would be mine, although the whole Sunday thing is going to be really, really tricky. Because if I am supposed to eat it every day, does that automatically cancel out Chick-fil-A? You know, do we have rules on this? Can someone uh, be an arbiter here? Ooh, I think I've, well, you can change it by the day. You don't have to do the same three every day. But I think, I think I've figured mine out. The okay. McDonald's breakfast burritos for breakfast. Uh, Arby's chicken fingers. I was going to say lunch. Arby's. Delicious. Yeah, but nothing else from Arby's. Just the chicken fingers. Like I, I, I can't get in with. <laughs> Don't you slander the roast beef sandwich with cheese? Yeah. Don't you slander that? Try. I am gonna Those... throw up just thinking about it. Absolutely not. The roast like, beef sandwich sort of gave nugget. me food poisoning once. Oh, ugh. Ugh. skinny. I had an incident at an airport once. It wasn't an Arby's, but it was. Okay, I was to gonna say you're going to airport Arby's. You're asking for trouble. No, no, yeah. And then. Like a Chipotle, never. Uh, and then a Chipotle like bowl for for dinner. I feel like that's you could live like that. Okay. Not for very what long. What is the maybe. cusp as far as like, you know, quasi fast food? Because I mean we're talking right. about Chipotle we like, and Payway Cuba, as well. Like right. Yeah, I don't know payway, like I think payway would work. I'd be fine with that. But like a place that's where you don't have to sit down, right? Like Applebee's wouldn't count. Or something of that sort. No. Right. Is Happy Panera fast food? I, I feel like that's the great debate. If Panera. Is. Give me that charged lemonade, baby. Let's go. I, I you know what? And you're dead. Panera, that, that, that might be my 1B. That, that would be up there. A lot Panera's of great salad spot. options there. Mm -hmm. You guys remember Yeah, the, if I want to be hungry for the rest wars. of the day, I'll go to Panera. Oh, have a salad an get hour bread later. rolls now with it. Like, else. fill up on your carbs. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but but that's the thing, though, is that like, OK, Panera certainly offers a lot of options and that's fine. And you don't have to sit down and it's good. The Internet is OK. So that that matters a great deal. Um, some coffee shops also have some really good meals. If you want to go that route, 
like maybe not, you know, the biggest chain of them all, but I think those, those medium coffee shops, like coffee bean and tea leaf here in California would make a whole lot of sense. Surprised I didn't mention in and out burger because I'm the LA representative around here. Uh, but I think those mid tier coffee shops, sometimes those breakfast sandwiches can also become lunch sandwiches. Would that also count? I think it could. I think it could. I'm trying to think of more like food places. I think the singular food item that I would go with the most is the Chick-fil-A waffle fries. Like I think if I could pick one thing, it would be like I could have that every day, I think, is I could have those fries with the sauce. Absolutely. I think that would be that'd be my safest bet is that I think Chick-fil-A is a little overrated. Like I'm not one of those guys like it's the greatest thing ever. I think their chicken is good. I think it's I think it's fine. It's the fries that make that place. Like those waffle fries, they are so good every time. They, they do have slap. Another, they, they, absolutely. I, I do have a hack for this. And yeah, it's East Coast bias. You could eat every meal for the rest of your life from Wawa. I'm shocked it took us this there. long to get here. With <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <actually. laughs> I am shocked it took us this long to get here. You can get a breakfast sandwich there. You can get your coffee there. You can get a made-to-order hoagie there. Oh, yeah, you're set. That was a terrible fumble by me. That could have ended this conversation minutes ago. It's but crazy. I've still Just never, because never I mentioned in and out Burger, you felt it was okay to bring this up uh, just so that we could PJ, all have our down there represented. I know. I've never been. I've never been. I hear great things. I need to go. What, what do I need to get? screams Wawa to me, too. Like, you look uh, at PJ class- Glasser, it screams Wawa. I'm stunned. <laughs> what? I would say classic been? Italian hoagie, for sure. I don't, I don't know if I get that. But, yeah, classic Italian hoagie. <laughs> uh, free coffee Tuesdays, which I just realized are a thing when I was home. So, go on a oh. Tuesday. Um, you got to download the app. And... I don't know. People love the tasty cakes and that sort of thing. I'm not really a sweets guy, but like, if you want to like sweet dessert sort of thing going on, you could do that. Yeah. Mm. The world is your oyster and fill up your tank of gas while you're there. (laughs) What could you need? That's brilliant. Yeah. I I, I don't know any other gas stations that I would eat at. Like, I know there are plenty of people, like when I was living in small markets and small cities, like Costco. people would frequent the, the gas station. Wawa, okay. see, that is, that's fake news. Wawa is not a gas station. It started as a convenience store, and then they brought in gas stations, like, as part of, like, an, an add-on. It's not a gas station. Costco hot right. dog. Yeah. Costco. Bucky's oh. in Texas, where you can literally get, like, yes. a dishwasher if you want. That's and it. everything else. That's the winner and an enormous gopher stuffed animal. That's the play. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we look at the rest of week 17 in the NFL right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.